Welcome to Unlock Your Mindset podcast with me, Steve Rawlinson. Get ready to open the door to the world of business, entrepreneurship, and the art of achieving remarkable success. We'll focus on emotional, intellectual, social, and adversity, and how each of these traits are crucial to unlocking your growth mindset. The journey to success starts here, so let's go. Today's guest is none other than Neil Stevenson, chairman, investor, entrepreneur, and business advisor throughout the Northeast business community. Someone who's greatly admired and respected throughout the community. Yeah, Neil, thanks very much for coming on my show. First guest, first episode. Do you want to just introduce yourself and summarize your journey of who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my name is Neil Stevenson. I'm a, a tech entrepreneur. I was originally involved in an internet service provider called Onyx that grew into a quite integrated cloud computing data center business. We grew that from nothing to 200 heads, 30 million turnover, about 7 million profit, did venture capital, did private equity, sold it in 2016, and since then have been grown and developing other tech businesses. So kind of mini local venture capitalist specialising in tech. So let's go back to the start because one of the things that I want to focus on with Unlock Your Mindset is try and understand what your your traits are and what actually got you to where you are today. Let's call it the becoming of Neil Stevenson. So graduated in 1993 with a degree from Sunderland University. Yeah. When you graduated... Did you know that you were going to be who you are today and successful? <laughs> you would not recognise me. You know, you talk about university. So nobody in my family had been to university. I was the oh. first generation to go to university. I was the first year to do GCSEs. Did GCSEs. Did well. Yeah. Did catastrophically at A-level. It was just too early in life. Kind of uh, girls drink all the all the fun that you do. Right. Yeah. I got a D and E and a U, so didn't do particularly well there. Went to Sunderland University, did a degree. Years later, years and years later, the university rang me up and said, "Neil, you're you're doing really well. Can you come and speak at an event? We've got an award for you." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Not not a problem." It's great. And can you say a few words? And I said, "Yeah, of course I can." I said, "Could you just tell us why you went to Sunderland University?" I said, it's dead easy. Nobody else would have me. <laughs> they said, no, 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 you can't say that. But that was that was the reality of that early stage journey. Nobody else would have me. That was the only place I could go. It was round the corner. I just wanted a degree. Nobody in my family had a degree. That was the start of me. What made you want a degree? So education is all about the next step. So I did GCSEs. I did A-level. I wasn't ready to do anything yet. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I just thought I'll stay in education for three more years. I'll grow up a bit. When I was a kid, I was painfully quiet. Wasn't somebody who would want to speak up and do things. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Was just a local guy. So I thought, let's stay at university. I love computers. Spent my life typing computer programs into computers. I thought, nah, I'll just stay doing that. I'll do three years and we'll see where we get to. Were you working while you were at university? A little bit, but not very much. Okay, so graduate. Yeah. Then move into marketing. Yeah. At Forks Breweries. Yeah. And then. Best job ever. Right. No job better than the brewery because your job is basically to drink beer and go to sports events. Sounds good. It's mega. Life expectancy quite short. Mm-hmm. Did three years there. Woke up one day and thought, I don't want to do this anymore. 
just don't want to do this anymore. The the job at the brewery yeah. or the marketing position? No, I like the marketing. I like okay. marketing. I just didn't want to be at the brewery anymore. It was a big business, more than a thousand staff. Really well run, great business. I was miles away from any position of responsibility and it wasn't tech. And I thought, I want to do IT, I want to do tech. That's my thing. I knew it was. So then you get into Onyx? So I took a pay cut. I took a 70-mile round trip to go up and down to Teesside, which I'd never been to before. My family thought I was mad. Bearing in mind I was a listed business, a brewer that everybody knew. Mm-hmm. You know, locally it was a very well-known business. Everywhere you went, if you said, oh, I work at Vogue's Breweries, oh, wow, brilliant. I took a job at a dot-com startup, the sixth internet provider in the UK, number six. And what, what number employee were you? Oh, there was about seven or eight at the time. And basically the owner said, Neil, you come along, you generate all the business, and every penny you generate, I'm going to spend on tech people. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. So you get in the business as a marketing executive. Yeah. Work there for? Three years-ish. Help them to sell it to a big American NASDAQ-listed telecoms company. Twelve months later, they went bust. So we did a management buyout at Christmas. Bought it back. Yeah. So what happened from being the marketing executive to becoming the CEO? What did that journey look like? So in any grown business, you just have to step up and do things. Yeah. So there's not a thing that says, I can't do that, I have to get somebody else. So I did marketing, then I did sales and marketing, then your remit expands. We did the management buyout, I looked after sales, I looked after marketing, there was a, Alistair Waite was the chief exec, we had a finance director, we grew that business together. And you were a big part of that, yeah? I think so, yeah. And in your mindset at this point, so beer, women at the start of your journey as a graduate, graduate from university, start working at the brewery, change your mindset there in terms of not wanting to work in the brewery anymore, wanting to get into tech, you get into tech started in marketing what was in your mind through that process of going from a marketing executive to becoming the head honcho in that business and stepping up into a ceo what was your mindset at that point because i've got a startup and some people like sitting in their positions that they're currently in for the last 10 years and then there's other people who just elevate themselves past other individuals so you were obviously that individual so what what drove you to do that it's dead easy, right? So in life, you've got to find what you love. Okay. You, I mean, everyone talks about this, but you, you do have to find what you love. And if you don't love something, it's a job. It's painful. You have to get up at a certain time and go to bed at a certain time and do certain things, but it's just a job. Mm-hmm. I found really, really early in life what I loved, which was the tech business down on side and the building a business from nothing. So I never worked. It never felt like work. It was just, I loved it. I loved every single day. I was in love with that business. I was in love with the people. I had total control over everything I did. From what point? Oh, 99, 2000. Stressful job? I'm probably a carrier, not a not somebody who suffers from that. I tend to pass that on to other people. So you step into CEO, do the management buyout, step so, into so CEO. I, so I stepped into the CEO role after about six years. How old are you at this point? 37-ish when I became chief exec. Alistair, who was the chief exec at the time, stayed in the business, but I just succeeded him. That was always the plan. When you started in the business, what were the numbers and how big it was? When when you got to CEO, sorry. When we bought the business, it was about a million turnover. When we sold it at the end, it was 30. When I took over as chief exec, it was about 15. Wow, that's... 10, only... 10 to 15. And that's some growth trajectory there. And you were obviously key to that growth. But 
I've obviously grown my startup, so I know the challenges that you face in terms of hiring the right people, having the right finances behind you, having the right strategy, executing that strategy. And I know obviously how stressful that is and some of them adversities that you might face with breaking new clients down, emerging markets and so forth like that. So at that point, you grow in that business. How challenging was that for you? And, and again, if we think about your mindset and the traits that got you through some of them challenges that you faced when you grew that business. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's go back to when we bought the business. So we bought it Christmas 2000. Yeah. I just met a girl. I said it was Christmas time. I sat her down. I said, look, we're going to buy this business. I need you to give me four or six weeks just to get this done. I really like it, but okay. you've, got, you've got to give me a bit of space here. Okay. She was like, yeah, yeah, okay. So she gave us a bit of space. I said, I'll tell you what, when we get the deal done, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Well, I think Edinburgh's nice. I don't know about you. And oh, York's quite York's quite nice and yeah. stuff like that. So anyway, we completed the deal on the 14th of January, my birthday. Okay. Right? So gets the deal done. I goes to see my now wife. I said, anywhere you want to go. She said, I've never been to New York before. So I thought, I've just spent every single penny I've got. So you thought Edinburgh or New or York, and she threw out the New York card. So we went to New York. So we went there. Then we bought a house pretty quickly after that. Then we had kids pretty quickly. So whilst doing an MBO, you you've literally done an MBO. Yeah, yeah. Meet a girl, go New York. Then next thing you know, you're starting a family. Absolutely. Whilst growing a business. Absolutely. And the learning to take from that, right, is choosing the right partner doesn't make you successful. Mm-hmm. Picking the wrong one makes sure you bloody aren't successful. Yeah, no, I agree with so that. So picking the right partner is really important, and I picked the right partner early, mm-hmm. and we've had mega success together. Two gorgeous kids, great life, mm-hmm. plenty of success. So that was kind of one of the turning points. That was a moment where we thought, you know what, this is going to be good. This really is going to be good, but it was hard. In the early days, it was really hard. What were your morning rituals? Do you have any morning rituals, or what's that discipline behind you to to grow that business? So you have to have a cup of coffee. Okay. If, if anybody wants to have any type of fun with me, you have to buy me a cup of coffee. That's where it goes. I get up reasonably early. I like to read. Okay. I've got more books than you can ever imagine. Literally okay. more books than you can ever imagine. And everybody who knows me knows I read books. Constantly yeah. self-developing? Yeah, read books nonstop. Reading this morning before I got up. So... That early bit is really important. Mm-hmm. Late at night is quite important. I tend not to go wild during the week, but we go out at the weekend. The week's busy. So you're quite disciplined in terms yeah, I think of your so. approach to and you've business. Got, and you've got to evolve. Yeah, I like I, I like going I like going for a walk. We've got a house in the Lake District. I like going to the Lake District and taking the dog for a walk and that type of thing. So I think you've got to you've got to have control. You've got to do the things you want to do. Are you quite a disciplined person? I think so yeah, I think yeah. so. It changes over time. You know, don't. Don't get me wrong, at the start of this year, we were doing two deals and two different businesses. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit, um, my wife was saying, Neil, I thought you said you weren't doing this anymore. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's just, your phone's just ringing nonstop. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But then it goes to a quiet time and we had a couple of holidays. So, Do you think you still have the same motivations and discipline as you did in the Onyx days is... Neil Stevenson of 51 years old being the, the investor and the NED and the chairman now? Absolutely. More, more so, in fact. Because okay. I think you realise what you can do. So when you're in a journey, you're working really hard to turn that journey into reality. Afterwards, you look back sometimes and think, I could do that again. And I'd probably do it faster. And I'd probably get a bigger number. How many businesses have you got now that you've invested in? About 15. Wow. In, you, ver- in various stages. You definitely haven't slowed down. No. So, so when we sold the business, so we were... Privately backed, then yeah. we got some venture capital, then we got private equity, then we sold. 
and did you know, 65 million quid. It was a decent sized, chunky it's deal. Public knowledge. I, so I guess at the time, that's probably one of the, the biggest exits in the northeast. It will have been up there, yeah. It was yeah. a big deal. 2016, good deal. Everyone happy with that. I had six weeks off right. where I just didn't do anything. And eventually my wife sat us down and she said, Neil, because I, I left the business as we sold. Yeah. So on day one, I left and that was the right thing to do. And in your mind at leaving, were you thinking, that's it, I'm having a bit of time off now, it's going to be... No, nah, it was heartbroken. Heartbroken. Really? You had yeah. an emotional attachment to the it's business? It's a huge emotional attachment. Anybody who's building a business, when it's yours, when you own it, even if you don't own all of it, mm-hmm. I didn't own all of it, Yeah. but I loved that business. Everything about it, I loved that business. Still a successful business today? Yeah, I mean, our biggest competitor bought us and I was okay with that. I was never joining that business. It was time to leave. I let them get on with it. But for six weeks, I kind of sat there and I thought, what am I going to do? I kept looking at the phone and thinking, why is it not ringing? I, did, yeah. I, I didn't actually have an email address because I only had the Onyx one. That's all I'd ever had. Right. And they all got shut off at the point. Well, of the that's exit. the right thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you close all that down. So I had six weeks and then the wife sat me down. And she said, Neil, can you just go and find something to do? Please go and find something to do. You're driving us mad. I built a manhood in the back garden. And I mean, it's a nice manhood, but I've been in it like twice it's one of them right. things you keep looking at thinking why did i build Should that go in it more often yeah you just well look i think everybody needs a purpose and i think again entrepreneurs i've met you know some of the uk's best entrepreneurs and now obviously with this podcast i'm, I'm hopefully going to meet even more of them and they all have similar traits where they've gone through that growth stage and then when they've exited the business, they say that they're going to take a bit of time off. And then, you know, four to six, four to eight weeks, usually they're looking at that next venture because everybody needs a purpose. Mm-hmm. So after six weeks, then your wife says, come on, you need that purpose again. Then what? So am I going to be a chief exec? Am I going to be an investor? And the reality was nobody brought me anything ever as a chief exec that I thought I really want to do that. And every investment opportunity and every non-exec type thing that came along, I was like, oh, that's exciting. I joined a business called Equality Solutions. That was the first one I did. Is the investor? As a non-exec. Okay. I helped them revolutionize the management team. They did a management buyout, which allowed the founder to exit. I helped him grow his other business, Cognizant, which has just raised a fantastic Series A. So they were the first two chair jobs I took, both hugely successful. So if you if you think about all of these things that you've done, now obviously you've done an exit, your profile is obviously huge in the UK business tech community and definitely the Northeast tech community. And then now as the investor, the chairman and the entrepreneur where you are within your career, if you focus around the drivers and the motivation of that, what are your drivers and your motivations? Because I think the listeners will want to know, you know, why does Neil Stevenson do what he does? So it's all about the people I work with. So I get my energy from people. So I love working with people. Okay. So I've got to understand the other people's journey. Why not be a social worker then? It's just... It, the, the, the working f- with people. The fun that you have in building a business and helping people to achieve their own goals... You know, these are good, bright people that just need guiding and directing. They need help and support. They're going on the journey I've been on. That journey that they're on is the bit that really excites me. That's the bit I like. I like at the end to look back and think, you know what? I helped you to be successful and you've been successful and you've paid your mortgage off and done all the things you want to do and got independent wealth. And that really lights me up. Yeah, it's a nice trait to see that, especially when you change people's lives and you can say that, you know, 
you helped guide them, support them, and encourage them, and, and I guess mentor them to get to, to that point. Well, in typically, the line. they they will say publicly, "We wouldn't have done this without Neil." Yeah, and I've had a few exits since then, so you know, there's a there's kind of a steady stream of stuff going on. Things happen, deals get done. Well, I've constantly seen you all in the press and that, in terms of you investing and growing and whatnot. In terms of your biggest achievement, then, and the one thing that you're proud of, the, the thing that stands out in your life, in your business life. What is that one thing that you're most proud of? I think the, uh, so when we were building the Onyx business and we built it from scratch with our own hands and everybody's copied what we've done since then and we've still, people come to me and say, you still had the best business, even though people have done similar things to us. All the way through that journey, the family were sacrificing things. My wider family were helping and supporting us. You know, I was going to London on the half past four train one day a week. I was going to Edinburgh the next day. Mm -hmm. It was quite a bit of sacrifice. At the end of it all, I said to everybody, we'll buy a huge big house in the Lake District and we'll all have our own bedrooms and we'll just go, because we always went to the lakes anyway. We'll just buy this place and we'll all just use it. And as soon as we got the deal done, we bought the house, literally. And the, the deal to sell the business was called Project Windermere because wow. it was all about getting me a house in the lakes, which was what we did. So I think the proceeds of the Onyx deal and what we built with Onyx and what that lasting legacy... You know, I say to the kids now, when I'm not here, you can do anything you want, but you can't ever sell that house in the Lake District. Yeah. You're not allowed to. And that's it then. It, it, that'll stay in the family forever. Mega. It's a mega house. So I want to try and get inside Neil Stevenson's brain and try and find out all of the things that the, the traits of a successful entrepreneur for the listeners to be able to give something back. And as I said at the start, one of the things that I'm looking at in my master's is the EQ, SQ, AQ and IQ and the certain traits within entrepreneurs that every single one of them has the ability to deal with adversity better than others, mm -hmm. has a larger understanding of emotional intelligence than others, has the ability to be more social with people and then obviously that intellectual intelligence. So what are your thoughts on that? And how would you break your mindset down across them four key continents? Yeah, good good question. So I think, you know, adversity is the first one. If you're building a business, does everything work all the time? Absolutely not. You know, you do things with very good intentions. Things just don't work. Things go against you. I always say, don't get too excited when things go well. Don't get too down when things go wrong. You know, in my career, I've had had two deaths for two employees who died at two all-staff funerals oh my god well, not not at work hopefully not not in, not in the work but right okay but they worked for you one had cancer one had something else right and they died while they were employed so you know we've had that I had somebody who stole from us you've got all the usual rubbish you get through life you know people who come and they've got personal problems marriage breakups all that type of stuff we've gone through all of that in the business how do you cope with adversity uh, I, I think I'm pretty good at kind of understanding what it's all about and getting through it. It's hard. Of course it is. Mm -hmm. Things go wrong. What helps you? What's that thing in your mind that helps you get through challenges and adversity and things that come at you I, when I it's think tough? It, it's temporary, isn't it? Everything's temporary. This too shall pass. It, it's not a permanent thing. This isn't going to go on forever. Better days are ahead. Yeah. You always have to believe that better days are ahead. You have to believe you're not a genius and you're also not an idiot. And you're trying hard. And not everything's going to work. And if something's not working a day, you have to get through it. Yeah. Because it's not an alternative. And you have to believe that there's better times ahead and better days ahead. And there always is. 
it's that classic thing is this going to be important in a week in a month in three months mm-hmm. and most of the time it's not there's that great saying isn't there where storms never last but tough people do and you know you can either run away from the storm and that storm will be chasing you or you can run into the storm and you'll get through it a lot quicker than what you would if you could run away from it in terms of your i guess the level of your eq and iq would you say you're more intellectually intelligent or or more emotional intelligence i'd say i was emotionally intelligent rather than intellectually you just get people i do i like people so i, so I play team sports i like spending my time with people I don't do individual things. Everything's about teams and people and relationships. That is where I get my energy. Where do you think that comes from? Does it come from your upbringing? Have you always been like that? No, I have always been like that, yeah. I have always been just like that. But I don't think it comes from upbringing or anything like that. I think that's just me. I get my energy from people. I like people. And how, how do you get the best out of people? I think you've got to understand what motivates them. If I don't understand what motivates somebody, if I don't understand their journey... How am I going to help them along their journey and how am I going to put tactics and strategies in place to help them? You've got to understand that. What makes somebody tick? You know, the the classic thing, I I don't like people unless I can have a beer with them. I like to sit down and have a chat. I like to understand people. I like to know what they're all about. You'll regularly hear me say this and I'll repeat it again for your podcast, but I'll regularly say to people, you've got a great business. They're like, oh, thank you. I said, but I don't like you. I couldn't, I couldn't work with you. Wow. And, you, and you're quite vocal about that, yeah? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, okay. And sometimes I'll say to somebody, I think you're brilliant, but I don't like your business. What do you look for? Well, let, let's talk about that, because I'm sure some of my listeners are definitely going to be wanting to connect with you as well, especially with being a, an investor and a mentor and whatnot. You, you obviously got that natural high level of EQ, and that's clear to see. But what do you look for when you're investing in businesses or someone reaches out and says, Neil, we've seen your profile. Would you be open to mentoring me? What do you look for in individuals? So, so it's the person, first of all. So I've got to understand the person, why they want me, whether I like them. I, I always look and I think, if you rang me at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, would I want to take the call? And if I don't, I shouldn't be working with that person. I like that. I, I shouldn't. If you ring me at 7 o'clock in the morning, am I going to pick the phone up or is it going to go to voicemail? If I pick the phone up, I should be working with you. If I don't, I shouldn't. Yeah. To that personal bit's really important. Do I like them? Have they got similar traits to me? I don't like people who do all the, the bad things, lie, cheat, that type of stuff. Yeah. I'm a pretty straight guy. I like that type of stuff. I like people who are determined. I know what I can do and what I can't do. So I'll see somebody and I'll think, I, I can't help you. That's yeah. not that's not my skill set. Other times I'll think that's banging my wheelhouse. You are just what I do. I understand your business. I understand the journey you're on. I understand you. We would be really good together. That journey happens sometimes. You come across like values. You're a very value-driven individual. And I guess them values have to mirror, from what you're saying, the individual that you're looking to invest in or the individual that you're looking to to mentor. What would you say your core values are of, of your DNA? Yeah, so, so I like hard work. I do. I like people who are determined and, and not knocked off course. Obviously, honesty, integrity. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be able to connect with somebody. I need to have a laugh and a joke. It's got to be fun. This is not just a serious business thing. This is a, a journey over a number of years. So I've got to emotionally think, I, I like this person. I know the family. I know the kids. I know the dog, all that type of stuff. I, I know the football team, the support. All that type of stuff is really quite important to me. Mm-hmm. So I've got to get that connection. Yeah, and then I've got yeah. to think I can help them. If I can't help them, I'll be friends, but I won't, you know, 
I know what I can do and what I can't do. You know, the, the classic stuff, I'm not somebody who can do 10 different industries. I know tech, I know SaaS, I know IT services, I know business to business. That's what I know. Yeah. That's what I can do. That's where my expertise is. I've never listed a business yet. I don't understand retail. I've never done pubs or any of that type of stuff in a, in anger. You've always so, stayed in your lane as such. Yeah, then, yeah. you know, I, I know exactly where I'm at. I'm not a genius. I know that. Mm-hmm. But I'm hard working and determined and I've got some domain knowledge, some expertise in a certain area. Well, that determination and that drive and I guess that high level of tenacity and just want to keep going, does that ever slow down? Will Neil Stevenson ever ever get off the train and say, right, that's it, I've, I've done everything I can do and it's time to put the feet up? No, I think there's a, there's a famous saying in life, right? If you haven't got a reason to live, nature finds a way to sort out that little conundrum. Mm-hmm. It just does. You've got to have a reason to live. At the moment, I love what I'm doing. I've got a kid at school and a kid at university. Yeah. They'll come through at some point and I'll do something with them, probably. I'm 51. When I'm 60, will things be a bit different? Maybe. We'll see. At the moment, I'm loving what I do. See, I'd love to... Uh, again, when we talk about successful entrepreneurs and successful business leaders, I'm the same. You know, I sit there and I think, I can never, ever see myself not working. But if you ask somebody maybe who works in one of the big corporate worlds in my industry, they can't wait for that retirement day. I literally couldn't, I couldn't think of anything worse. Even if I ever exited my company, I would always want to keep a purpose. And that's what I'm really trying to understand is, I know my drivers, but it's why, as individuals, why are entrepreneurs and successful people, in any walks of life, why do they keep going? What is that driver that just makes them keep going? Because I've got total control of my life. I do exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. This is what I love doing. Why would I retire from a world and a life that I love? Every day I'm doing things that I love doing. I'm enjoying this today. I've got a couple of other things later on. This is not work. The people who are in big corporates have got a job. They're helping somebody else to do something. My, My journey is totally in my own control. If I don't want to work a day, if I don't want to do something, if I just want to walk the dog, I go walk the dog. But I've got total control over it and I love it. This is the greatest life I can live. I'm sure my listeners would agree you've inspired many people within the Northeast tech business community and I guess that'll continue to keep happening. Let me ask you this question, okay? So Neil Stevenson walks into a bedroom, sees 10-year-old Neil Stevenson sitting on his bed. What are you going to say to that guy? Yeah, so I probably wasted 10 years when I was younger, between 20 and 30. It took me too long there. I think it was probably late 20s before I started to get a bit more confident. I couldn't even speak in public when I was younger. Where did that come from? So eventually I worked out that I just needed to be able to do this. You know, I was a Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year winner. I was a Business Exec of the Year Awards. We were Company of the Year. I had to speak in front of a thousand people. How did you feel about that? I was fine at the time. Yeah. But in the early days I couldn't do that. So all I had to do was face my fears in a big way. Mm-hmm. And we won a contract with BT to go around all the market towns of the region promoting broadband. And I wrote the bid. We got paid to do it. It was great because basically BT were paying us to sell our service. And somebody had to go and do a pitch three times a day to all these market towns. I did every single one. For a whole month I was on the road at every Hexham, Barnard Castle, facing up to 30 or 40 people I'd never seen before three times a day. By the end I could speak. Wasn't afraid at all. I was terrified at the beginning. First few were horrendous. And I guess that kind of sits in with that 
it is a level of adversity because you're facing something that brings you out of your comfort zone. Mm. And I know other individuals that are like that, but you've got that personality that you just face your fears. You just get through it. You have to. Yeah. I mean, I, the other bit, which won't be lost on anybody listening, is I was 100% invested in this venture too. At every single penny I had invested in everything else, invested in this in this so whole if it business went to tits, everything, uh, goes to tits. everything goes to shit absolutely yeah. <laughs> that was it that's that's reasonably motivating now <laughs> it is yeah uh, now it's go, got to work yeah it, it just had to work and bearing in mind i've also been through a dot-com crash when we bought the business well, yeah. 9-11 a banking crisis where we banked with h boss at the time and they went bust i always wondered whether they thought we would go bust and actually it was them that went bust and then more recently a global pandemic so there's not much in business that i haven't seen and done i've bought businesses i've sold businesses i've raised venture capital private equity i've put my own money in you know you just get broad experience as you go i've seen stuff i've made things work i've tried things that didn't work yeah loads of experience do you think that entrepreneurs and successful people just have that natural ability to get through adversity and challenges or do you think there's something more to it no i think you just uh it's a bit like salespeople. You're not born, you're made. So I think entrepreneurs are driven, but they then do all the coaching. They've got people around them to help and support them. When you're having a hard time, you pick the phone up to somebody who's been there before. Yeah. I get that now. I did it when I was a chief exec. You had mentors? All the time. You have to. People have been there before because your classic imposter syndrome and your challenges around things like, is it me? Why is this all going wrong? That happens all the time. So you do speak to people. I'm speaking to people now about just that. I think you just become focused and determined. But you're not born an entrepreneur. Don't believe that at all. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I agree with the uh, comment that you said there in terms of entrepreneurs. I don't think entrepreneurs are, are born either. I definitely believe in that entrepreneurs are made. And that is, again, through that, I guess, that adversity, the emotional intelligence that they've got, the IQ that they've got, and the ability to be social and build long-lasting relationships. And then you get to a certain point where it just becomes evident that you can do this on your own and you've got this ability to just go and build something that ultimately is a huge success. Yeah, I mean, you do have to evolve as you go. So I had a bunch of friends when I was younger. We haven't fallen out. I just don't spend time with them now because you've got that classic thing where you you become like the three or four people you spend your time with. So be bloody careful who you spend your time with. Totally agree. It's funny, isn't it? Because I guess when you were at university, you probably had a large circle of friends and socialising and drinking and enjoying that kind of element. But then is a 51-year-old successful business entrepreneur now, I know what the answer is going to be. How many people do you surround yourself with right now? It's not as big a number as what it used to be, that's for sure. And you outgrow some, unfortunately, and some get a bit grumpy that you've had some success and just think you're lucky and don't see all the hard work you've done and yeah. you in the overnight success it's that rule isn't it if the 20 year overnight success where everyone thinks you're just born with this golden spoon but they don't see the 20 30 years worth of hard graft that you've done they don't they just and that's the same for everybody it just is you know anybody who's been successful well done to you mm. you know if you've built something well done awesome you are not the normal you are in the one percent Top 1%. Really good. Yep. So final question then. What's your biggest tip for some of the listeners in terms of building a mindset for success? Because we've spoke about entrepreneurs are made. They're not born. So what would you give in terms of the three tips that you would give to any young 
entrepreneur or any individual that's thinking about going out there and building something or stepping into a senior position, what would you give the three points for building that mindset of success? So I think there's three things that I would focus on. So the first one is you've got to have really big goals, really, really big goals. Bigger you can make them, the better. I always make them for people bigger than how they can envisage it because it forces you to chase something big. So if you really want to build a 10 million business, you should be thinking about building 100 million. I'm the same. It's funny that the other individuals who are entrepreneurs think the same. I had this saying that it's aim for the stars and if you land on the moon, then you've still reached the, you know, you've still elevated. You know, if, if I say to you, you're a million pound business and you need to get to one and a half, you can find a way to do that, can't you? If, yeah. I, if I say you've got to get a 20, you think, oh my God, the things, I, the things I need to do to get a 20 are not the things to get the one and a half. That's the first bit. Okay, goals, big goals. Yeah, second bit is just evolving what you do. So I had times when we were building the Onyx business where we only had one office, then I had five. Then I was suddenly going to Edinburgh one day and London the next and travelling around. So you have to evolve over time. And as your business gets bigger, the things you love doing, you move away from. So I love selling, I love the commercial bit. I was spending all my time with lawyers and accountants and the deal makers trying to to buy things and do things. I decided every Friday I want to go see customers. And I was booked out all day. Friday was the best day. I was tired, but it was the best day because I was seeing customers. So just that evolution of, there's probably three or four careers inside one if you're growing a business. Yeah. I guess that's the second thing. And the third thing is just a personal thing about, you know, don't get too upset when things go wrong and don't get too excited when they go well. Because both of those things are temporary. You know, your excitement today doesn't make you a genius. You just had a bit of good fortune or a bit of success. Your pain tomorrow doesn't make you an idiot. You've just got to keep an even keel. And if you can do that, that's, I think that's where you have success. If you can't, you either kid yourself that you're a genius and it will go spectacularly wrong, or you think you're an idiot and you can't achieve what you, you need to do. So keeping a calm, even keel is really important. Yeah. So to summarize that then for the listeners, big goals, evolve, and elevate yourself. Absolutely. Stay grounded. Neil, thank you for being my first guest on Unlock Your Mindset with me. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Where can listeners connect with you and what kind of advice can they expect if they did reach out to you? So LinkedIn's the best way to get me. I'm on LinkedIn. If you can't find me on there, then you've failed the first test. So my advice in terms of how I interact with people, it comes out how it comes out. So you have to take that. I will bluntly say what I think. If you want to know what Neil thinks, ask him a question and look on his face and you'll know. And I think a lot of the time that direct response, that direct answer is about as valuable as you can get. And people are frightened to coach people and tell them what they think. I like that. Neil, thanks very much. And thank you very much to the listeners. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to Unlock Your Mindset with me, Steve Rawlingson.